May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. So today we continue a short walk through the last few chapters in Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, also known as 1 Corinthians. Last week, we heard that some of the members of Paul's community saw themselves as superior to other members in the community. They saw themselves as superior because they were given ecstatic, exciting spiritual gifts, while others did not receive these gifts. And it was causing considerable conflict and division in the community. So last week, the issue, the source of the problem, was spiritual arrogance. The idea that one's spiritual experience makes one better or more favorable to God. This week, however, the issue Paul addresses isn't spiritual arrogance. This part of the letter is how stronger members are treating weaker ones. Here, the issue dividing the community is not spiritual arrogance, but social arrogance. Social arrogance. Today's passage centers around this image of the community as the body of Christ. For just as the body, Paul writes, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though are many, are one body, so it is with Christ. But the image of the church as a body isn't Paul's invention. Paul didn't make it up. Greeks and Romans used it to describe their communities and their society. For them, the body was an image to reinforce the natural, brutal hierarchy of human beings. I mean, we have no idea how far the West has come culturally since the Romans, but I digress. But the way it worked is that the wealthy, intelligent, or heroic were, of course, the brain or the heart or the nervous system of the community or society. And that other mass of humanity, peasants, slaves, workers, would be other stuff like feet or hands subordinate to the work of the brain. They would do the hard work, and the brain would direct them. So if you're a foot, well then, you're a foot. And you're lesser than the brain. I mean, we, we met, obviously, met one of those feet earlier. Do your work. Do what you're told by the brain, which are your, is your social superior. You're a foot, damn it, you better act like a foot. The body is a whole function to fulfill the mission and purpose of Roman society. So if you're afoot, you need to keep in step. You need to keep in line. Otherwise, this whole society thing will stop working. It'll fall apart. And this is where the social arrogance comes in. It's this very way of thinking and acting that's infecting the body of the Corinthian church. Those with higher social standing, more prestige, more power are disrespecting and mistreating those with lower social standing. 
saying that they should receive honor while those who do not have it should not. And it's creating division rather than harmony. Really, they're just acting like a body of Romans. They're just doing what the culture does. But Paul thinks that social arrogance is destroying the fabric of the community. It's creating division, Paul says, because the body of Christ is different than the Roman body. For in the one spirit we were all baptized, he writes. We were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of the one spirit. So the idea here for Paul is that Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's been raised, he's ascended, has become part of God's very being, but he's still present by this power of God's spirit. And through that same spirit, Jesus is embodied. He still gets physical, you know that song, get physical. In and through, I'm sorry. <laughs> in, and through, in and through the gathered community of the church. Christ still is, remains physical through the gathered community of the church. But unlike the Roman body, each identity, slave and free, Jew and Greek, male and female, these are all equal partakers in God's spirit. There's a spiritual equality to them that is not present in Roman society. Instead, each person is supposed to play a unique role as a limb or organ does in the human body, but there is an equality. They're all equal in worth. It's an organism, like the human body, many different unique parts with God's own spirit serving as the ligaments, muscles, and veins holding the body together. And then unlike the Roman body, this body of Christ working together embodies Jesus and his mission here and now. Where this Roman vision is a mission of conquest, domination, and control, those drawn together by the Holy Spirit are drawn together for God's mission to heal the world through Christ. The difference between Paul's view and the Greek or Roman view is made sharply when he says this. The eye, he says, so one of the higher members, cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. On the contrary, he continues, on the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. They're indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. And that's the main difference, where lesser members of the Greco-Roman body, meaning the weak, the poor, women, slaves, and serfs, are seen as lesser and subordinate to the rich, the strong, the well-born, and heroic. They're seen as disposable without worth, whereas Paul says in the body of Christ, those lesser members are in fact, indispensable to the whole. They're crucial, they're vital. If you remember last week's sermon, Paul said that God's spirit has each and every one of the Corinthians equal gifts to build up the community. But it goes even further. The lesser are not only indispensable, 
They're to be clothed with greater honor. And they're to be treated with greater respect. So this doesn't mean that weaker members are somehow better than and stronger members are garbage. And this is how we tend to deal with power imbalances in our present cultural moment, that being weaker, lesser, a victim just inverts the pyramid of greatness with the strong on the bottom and the weak on the top. But Paul doesn't say that. He says that our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. Greater members are already respected, honored, and given status in the society that they live in. So they don't need it. They don't need additional honor and respect. But because the lesser members are treated as dishonorable by that same society, so a greater effort is made to lift up those whose society normally shoves down. It's a matter of the greater bending down so the lesser can be raised up. Those whose society sees as lesser are to be raised to the height of those who are deemed greater in society in terms of love, honor, and respect. And Paul doesn't say this just because he's simply into the idea of diversity or that he took a workshop on inclusion. I mean, those are good things but they're really just empty words without some kind of a content. Paul says so because they are the body of Christ. Christ, who in his mortal body spent time, little time honoring the great and spent more time reaching out to the least and the lost. The sick, the poor, the outcast. Jesus, who took on the sufferings of others and the sins of all humanity on the cross. And so since they're the body of Christ, together they should look and act more like Jesus and less like the rest of the world. Taking on, absorbing the grief and suffering of others in the way Jesus did. Their body should look less like a buff Roman soldier with lesser peoples crushed under his sandals and more like the broken body of Jesus on the cross. That's what the core conflict is. Greater value being ascribed to those whose society values and lesser value to those whose society values less. And according to Paul, when the church body's like that, it's sick. It's not quite functioning as the body of Christ in the world. So Paul's simply reminding them of who they are, who they've been drawn together by the Spirit to be the body of Christ. And unfortunately, social arrogance makes the body sick and not as God intended it to be. And in the end, it's a good reminder for us too because that's who we are, St. George's United Church. We, after all, are Christ's body that happens to meet once weekly on the corner of 6th Street and Fitzgerald rather than an atrium in the bustling first century of the Mediterranean city. And like Christ's body in Corinth, our body too can become 
sick. It can become sick with conflict. We can bring society's views of greater and lesser with us into the body. It's not only social status. We can very easily view people through the lens of our own resentments and prejudices and treat them dishonorably. Whether it's lack of money, whether it's lack of manners, whether it's lack of etiquette, hygiene, or a lifestyle that looks nothing like our own. And differences can even simply be generational in the cultures we've grown up in. We may not be Corinthians in the literal sense, but we just as easily fall into the same trap of seeing and treating others for whom Christ died as lesser members in the same way our culture does. At our worst, we too can be a sick version of Christ's body and we can make others sick too. None of us are immune to social arrogance. All have fallen short of the glory of God, as Paul says. But like the Corinthians, man, we can be healthy too. We, like the Corinthians, are a body of all sorts of different people with different gifts and from different walks of life. We're also made up of those who society deems good, dependable, respectable, and together, as well as those who society thinks of as lesser, as useless, strange, broken, or unlovable. And at our best, those of us who are strong, whose society sees as greater, show true greatness in emptying ourselves in love and Christ-like humility. So then those of us whose society deems as unworthy can be lifted up and honored as brothers and sisters and not burdens or nuisances. Honored as made in the image of God, those for whom Christ died. At our best, the church can be a place where the lives of the rich and the poor, children, millennials, boomers, elders, whatever the other, Gen Y, what's the one between World War II and Boomer? What is that one? There's a, there's a sweet spot in there. I don't know. Sorry? No, there's Gen X, too. They're already focused enough on their own stuff, of course. Uh, we don't have to name them. I'm just, I kid, of course. But it's a place where young and old, gay and straight intermingle, where the strong help carry the weak, and the weak become strong in their own way, able to carry others eventually, after finding the unconditional love and acceptance that they've been looking for all their lives. That's us at our best, and it's happened and continues to happen. 
So if you're one of those people who Paul classifies as stronger or greater, if you've got money, if you're the kind of person who has it together, you've done well, society honors your achievements, the good news for you this morning is that you have a higher calling even than that. The good news for you is that you have been drawn here by God's own spirit to be healed from any self-justification you may carry. To be healed from any resentment or arrogance towards those whose society considers the lesser. The good news is that you too have been chosen as an instrument of God's healing for those who need it. And if you're someone whose society considers lesser, if you have no money, few good friends, if you're not big on social graces, have trouble keeping a job or getting one in the first place, if other people have a hard time getting along with you, if other people look down on you, if nobody seems to value or respect you, and hey, you've begun to believe that and you act like it, know in this place as part of the body, you are indispensable. We can't dispense with you and be the body of Christ properly. The good news for you is that God's own spirit has brought you here to clothe you with honor for your healing. So you can be freed of your own self-loathing and aimlessness. You are who God says you are here above all. Loved unconditionally, given meaning and purpose by grace, even if you haven't found it quite yet. Because in the end, the good news is for all of us together as one body. Whether we look, because whether we look like it or not, God has brought us all together as God's, as Christ's body on earth. And at our healthiest, we look like Jesus with Christ walking, talking, reaching out, mending lives and pulling down division through us. At our best, we can look like Christ's healthy body. So may we continue to yield our lives more fully to the Spirit's leading. May we let God make us into who we already are, the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. Amen.